0: The Bar Podcast. Uh, Biblical reform, let's uh, go. uh, Welcome to the bar, come on and pull up a
1: seat and open up your Bible, what a wonderful feast, the living bread, and we're discussing what it means for the streets, the inner cities and the burbs and every person we meet, that's where we challenge worldviews, that we hear from world news, in light of the scripture, we are here to serve you, we're your source for resources, to help you on your you battle mean forces yo this is for the people who can see the importance of sound theology and Supported, yeah. This is for the truth, love was biblically reforming, preaching Christ to the nations, yeah. the nations. welcome to the modern reformation.
0: Yeah. Welcome everybody to the bar, it's your guest host David Knight from Exposite the Word, standing in for Dwayne, different host, same show and same top, top guests. So let's get to it because I am super excited to be coming through your speakers, your earbuds, wherever you are listening to the bar and as always we are grateful that you are listening and we love to start off the show by thanking you the listeners for tuning in and supporting the show and just like we do every tuesday we bring you another awesome guest and this one is no different (laughs) hello and welcome rocky Wyatt. oh thank you it's great to be here today uh great. Yeah. Great to have you with us, Rocky. Really looking forward to this. Rocky, tell us everything that we need to know about you in 60 seconds. All right. Just
1: briefly, I am married. I have uh, two sons. Both of my sons are married. They each have five children. So we're actually at a time of life when we enjoy... <laughs> spending time with 10 grandkids. And uh, we live up in the mountains of southern Colorado, so our home is actually just over 9,000 feet in elevation. I spent the first 25 years of ministry in youth ministry, and then I spent uh, the following about 20 years in adult ministry. And, uh, I mean, at the end of the day, I would sum it up by saying I, I have a genuine love for the church and love the privilege of serving the church.
0: Yeah, yeah. Brilliant. We we'll take us back to the very beginning. How did you become a Christian, Rocky? You know, and and uh, God's providence,
1: I grew up in a family that went to church a lot. Now my family moved, so by the time I got out of high school, we moved we probably lived in 20 different places. <laughs> But they generally uh, had us attend church. Part of that was my dad was a gifted vocalist, so the churches loved him, and uh, and so in that process of attending church, when I was thirteen years old, uh, the Lord just boy, the Lord just impressed on my young heart that I was a sinner, and and I knew that. I didn't have a relationship with God. I'd been attending a youth group. And and I, I do re- I remember where I was. I went to my father and said, I, I need to become a Christian. And and he said, well, go talk to somebody in the church. And I learned later that my father didn't know the Lord at that time. And so so I ended up going to the church and talking to an older saint that sat down and just shared the gospel with me. And that's when I put my faith in Christ. And I would say... It was a rudimentary understanding, but it was a sufficient understanding and I believe that's when God saved me and uh I'm exceedingly grateful,
0: yeah, that's right, yeah, so special i I just love hearing um people's testimonies. It's just so so special, isn't it? it is How great. soon did you then feel according to ministry? Tell, tell us about what happened there Rocky
1: you know it's interesting because when i when I finished high school. I had in my mind that I wanted to go into wildlife management. And so I went to university in Northern California and I spent a year there. And uh, you boy, when I got done with one year, I'd had enough science for the rest of my life. I mean, that was just not my thing. And so I moved back to San Diego, California. And when I was there, uh, a youth pastor asked if I would come just help out with the youth group. And That was a life changing event for me, because as I got involved with the kids, uh, specifically high school students, the Lord just burdened my heart that that, you know what, these young people need to understand both the power of the gospel, but they also need to understand what it means to dynamically live out the Christian life. And so God just gave me a real passion uh, for young people. And and from that point on, I'll be honest, it didn't matter if I had to work by vocationally, if I could do it vocationally. uh, That's where I was going to be. And and the Lord allowed me to do that for for many, many years. I still love youth ministry. And many of the guys that I've trained for ministry, honestly, are kids that were in the youth group that went on and, and served the Lord. Yeah, so that's my passion.
0: Yeah, yeah. You now work full time as the president of Excel Ministries. Tell us about your work there and how you come to join up with them. OK, so Excel Ministries,
1: when I first started in ministry, I, I began to grapple with uh, why does the church not take a more active role in training men for ministry? So I went through some difficult ministry experiences and and frankly, I was shocked. I mean, I was just shocked. I, I didn't have... Uh, uh, a good understanding of the dynamics of the church including the challenges of the church and for many years i've prayed god how how could the church take a more active role in training men now let me be clear i'm i'm not anti seminary guy but but i am anti the church not taking the primary role to train guys for ministry and then use the resources that are most helpful for the for the man and so after several years of praying I got a couple guys together two of them were had been kids in the youth group and had gone into youth ministry, and I had the privilege of being a part of their training. And so I got them together and I said, hey, how about we start thinking and praying? How could we train guys for youth ministry in the context of the church? and develops a consistent process it, so that they learn both theologically, biblical knowledge, practical experience, but where it's really uh, carefully evaluated intentional discipleship. So that we formed Excel Ministries in 1992, and we started doing that. And then over the years, we all started moving into other areas of ministry and thought, well, is there any reason we can't train men to be pastors, train people to be men and women to be missionaries and things like that? So we we began developing a more robust internship program. But all of this time we only did it with on our few churches because we we're all full time, right? So we're 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 yeah, consumed yeah. with ministry. And so actually it was just three years ago that I went full time with Excel and determined, you know what, we're gonna try to help the church, just regain its vision for training, training elders, training pastors, training missionaries, and again, using resources that are most helpful, but taking the primary responsibility. So so when Tom did that little video uh, to promote when I left countryside, I wasn't sure if I'd be busy or not, but thank God I've been very busy and I'm very grateful.
0: Yeah, brilliant. Really, really good stuff. I know you're passionate about helping equip qualified men to ministry. You've been speaking about that. So let's start at the beginning, uh, Rocky. We may have some men listening who are trying to discern whether or not the Lord is calling them to ministry right now. What does that call feel like? How can a man know if this is the Lord at work? Yeah, and I think that's a great question because you know how
1: it is that that feeling of what God has for me can be a deceptive feeling. And and so for a person to to try to grasp, is this really what God wants for me, is such a huge question. And, and I'll be honest with you, I think it's dangerous if the church, if their initial response to that desire is to fill out a recommendation and send a guy to seminary for a few years, because he doesn't have the time where people really evaluate his life, help him. To be exposed to ministry to determine whether yeah. he's really gifted for the call and so i think today there are a lot of folks that that finish their academics and because they've done well academically and they have a certificate they assume that's affirmation of a call and so before they take that plunge or the church even encourages that i strongly believe that how they're going to know is the church leadership getting involved in their lives Helping them to understand what are the biblical qualifications. And and I, I, I mean, I don't mean just Titus 1 and 1 Timothy 3. I mean, beyond to the role and the responsibilities and the accountability, the fact that they have to be able to teach and to not know if you're able to teach and go and spend a lot of money and a lot of years preparing for something that you may not have the capacity to do just seems tragic to me. And so uh so I do think it, it begins with the man engaging with the leadership of his church with the leadership saying, okay, we're going to take time and we're going to set you on a course. We're going to teach you how to study if you don't know that well yet. We're going to begin teaching you Bible knowledge and we're going to begin teaching you systematic theology. We're going to help you prepare lessons. We're going to have you do them and then we're going to evaluate those and we're going to give you honest input and we're going to monitor that before we ever take the next step. And if that takes months, it takes months. But to not do that first first, I think it sets a a man up for what could be failure. And I'm not saying it always is, but I think it's a dangerous thing if we're not careful on the front end with a man so that at the end of the day, the leadership of the church ought to be able to say, we affirm this man's character. We affirm his giftedness. We affirm
0: his uh, uh, ability to serve God's church. And we've seen it. We've seen him do it. Yeah. Yeah, Rocky, this might sound both exciting and scary for some church leaders, because you know what it's like in some small churches, time yes. is at a premium and people, there might be some leadership teams listening to this right now thinking, well, where do we even start? But this is where you come in, right? You provide lots of resources. Just tell us a little bit about how you can help in that in that yes. whole process. So let me just say right off the bat that, that I told the Excel board,
1: if I have to go out and sell stuff, I can't do it. <laughs> It's not, the church has been marketed sufficiently. My goal is not to build a kingdom. It's not to make, the goal is to help churches to fulfill the duty of the church. And so when we put together materials, anybody can go online at our website and get our materials free. They can download them. They can order them. And, and yeah. we, 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 we the Lord provides through the donations of God's people who have a heart and love for the church and see this need. Now, let's you know. So, for a man who's in ministry, it, it, whether he's bivocational or so many are solo pastors, right? And and there, so they're, it's like, how do I do this? Yeah. Yeah. Well, we've written discipleship manuals to to train. Men for just general ministry, the deacons, service in the church in any number of ways, better parents, and they're called Becoming a Biblical Leader. We have one for men and for women now. And and in that manual, uh, like it teaches some Bible knowledge, teaches them the importance of the church, teaches them systematic theology, but they're self-contained, okay? So like when we ask a systematic theology question, we give a quote in key verses so the person doesn't have to go buy resources built into the manual our mentor questions so the pastor doesn't have a ton of work. Like the biblical leader is 10 months, and we've designed it so the pastor can meet or the elder can meet with them once a month. And so the student's doing most of the work. Because if it's at every week, that's going to bury most guys, right? Yeah. And then we have, if, and the reason we did a biblical leader one is I, I was fairly confident if we only did a becoming a biblical elder one, most churches wouldn't use it. Because who wants to start a guy in that and get halfway through and go, I think this is a bad idea. So the biblical leader discipleship manual actually goes through the elder qualifications and it helps Christians understand elder qualifications for the most part are Christian qualifications. (laughs) It's not like the elders got to be up here and everybody else can be here. The elders need to meet them so the church can follow their example. And, and so that becoming a biblical leader helps a pastor to discern if he has somebody that might be, a likely candidate for elder and then the the elder one is much more specific as far as qualifications and where a man is but it also talks not only the qualifications the roles the responsibilities the accountability all of those other things that go with eldership because unfortunately at least in our culture many people think eldership is a a once-a-month meeting to conduct the business of the church and so we fill that out much more in the the elder one. But again, the elder one is 12 months, but a, guy, a pastor can meet once a month and really get yeah. to know a guy. And the guy's doing most of the work. So so I think it's attainable. And let me say, like, we, we help churches to establish internships, two to three-year internships done under the authority of the local church. We help with the structure, assignments, things that need to—we help with evaluations, process to make it as efficient as possible. And let's say a pastor has taken a guy through a pastoral internship, and he gets four months down the road and says, Rock, I I mean, I've got some hard things going on in the church. I I don't think I can keep up with this guy. Because truly, I, I often say internships often fail with the pastor, not because he's not a good guy because he's overwhelmed. And so in that case, what we'll say is we will assign one of our graduates to your intern. He will meet with them as long as he needs to, keep up with his assignments, review everything, so that when you are able to get back in the saddle, you're current. You're not behind. You just carry on from there. So the, the intern doesn't lose out. The pastor's not more overwhelmed than he already is. So, so that's a way we've tried to, to accommodate uh, the, the guys that are in situations where, where they need that help. And, and I'll be honest with you. I tell guys all the time, I don't think seminaries could ever train enough men for ministry that we need. I don't think large churches could ever train enough men. But if every small evangelical church was training guys, I think we'd have plenty.
0: Yeah yeah so true and really really good i know you've had seasons and you mentioned this already of working both full-time and by vocational there'll be many people in a bivocational situation what are some tips in how to best manage your time when doing this yeah so so one of the things i have learned is that leadership
1: development can easily go on the back burner <laughs> and we can respond to all of the demands of ministry that are life consuming. And what I tell guys is is listen, as long as you maintain that mindset, you'll never have help. You know, 5 years from now you'll be talking about the same overwhelming feelings because you're you're yeah. constantly dealing with the the pressures of ministry. And and so I, I mean there has to be a point where you say, if I can invest some time in just a few men that could help that would be qualified to help me it will relieve the burden and so okay so that takes a year or two years but you add another guy who's going to be working but is is capable of helping he can do the hospital visits he can step in and teach he's willing to assist in counseling it's like you just doubled your effort and so i think for guys in those situations which i think are probably most guys they've got to determine on the front end that listen i have to set a course i mean if i can do this once a month or meet with two or three guys and do it a couple of times a month and and then have those resources to help me what what a huge
0: blessing. And plus it's the reflection of what the church should be like, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly that. You've mentioned this uh, already, Rocky, but what are the biblical qualifications for church leadership? Yeah, you know,
1: you know, when you look at Titus one and 1 Timothy three, it, it provides character qualifications as well as for elders the the responsibility to to be able to protect sound doctrine and refute those who contradict. But when you look through the scriptures, even John 10, and you look at Jesus as the great shepherd, and and what does he say? I know my sheep. My sheep know me. There's a relationship. You know, when when we see that responsibility of hospitality, I mean, in our culture, it's almost like that's gone out the window. I I tell guys all the time, if you think you can fulfill ministry in the four walls of the church, you're kidding yourself. (laughs) Ministry is life on life. It's relational. When it talks about shepherding the flock, it means that we have to know them. When it talks about savage wolves that may even come from within, it means there's dangers everywhere. And and I'll be frank with you. I think a lot of elders, and, and I'm not blaming them because I think it's more the culture of the church. I think a lot of elders, especially serving as uh, a non-vocational elders or lay elders, I think a lot of them may be godly men, may love the Lord, but awful a lot of them, they can affirm their doctrinal statement, but they couldn't defend it if their life depended on it. I mean, Bible in hand, look at the text. Mm-hmm. And and so when our leadership is not deep theologically, then, I mean, it tell guys all the time. I mean, I mean, you you can't as an elder have somebody ask you a theological question and always keep saying, well, just go talk to the pastor. It's like you're you are a pastor. Yeah. You're one of the and so I think I think that Bible knowledge systematic theology, but when our churches stop initiating training on those things, we put people in really vulnerable positions. And so I I think that protection, that shepherding, that discerning issues in the church, as well as the management of the church, you know, there's all the details and difficulties of, of simple church management from facilities. And obviously we have deacons that can help with that, but elders have to provide some oversight. Takes a lot of leaders to get it right,
0: right? Yeah, right. Absolutely. Absolutely. When you're working with these men, what is more important, skills or character? Yeah, that's a great question. You know, that's one of those things that I I look at. And in
1: in my mind, I, I mean, you have to have both as an elder in the sense, I mean, if you don't have them both, you're not qualified. And and so you have to have those character qualities, but you come back to the teaching aspect. And again, I think that's been softened. I, I'm not saying that able to teach means that you have to be able to fill the pulpit every week or even teach a Sunday school every week. But what I'm saying is when you hear false doctrine, you better know it's false and you better be able to stand up and defend True doctrine, chapter and verse. I mean, that's your responsibility to to genuinely love and, and care for the flock. And and so I, I think both of those are important. And then even when you think of serving, I mean, the, the Lord, what did it say? He said, "I I didn't come to be served, but to serve and to give my life a ransom for many. And I think for biblical leadership— when we talk about service, that, that that's going to involve some level of skill and commitment and in getting into people's lives and loving them and knowing them and serving them. So it's hard for me to separate
0: those two because I think yeah, they're both so. so essential in leadership. Yeah, no, absolutely. Absolutely. What separates the work of an elder and a deacon?
1: Yeah, I mean. I mean for the the qualifications are are the same right for the for the most part apart from the that ability to teach and and again it doesn't mean that a deacon can't teach nor does it mean that a deacon doesn't have to know his bible he's a, he's a leader in the church he's an example for the church still so so they both have to have that spiritual maturity but there is a level with the elders that he has to have the capacity to really uh recognize things that are not true and truly exposit the scriptures and and, and exposit them accurately and exposit them in a, in a way that people can hear and understand. And so that that is a, a major distinction between those yeah. two roles.
0: Yeah. yeah. There are many churches that have lost the culture of discipleship. What does a healthy church look like in this regard? And why do you think we have lost the art of discipleship? Okay. Right.
1: So I I mean I so I think it goes back to the Great Commission, that we've so marginalized the Great Commission and made it something that it's not. We've just limited it. And so I, I would say that when you look at the Great Commission, and first of all, the, uh, Jesus is speaking to disciples. And and so disciples are those who I think the best two words to describe discipleship are follow me, <laughs> you know? Yeah, right. I, I mean, we, that includes repentance, faith, lordship, everything right follow me and and so i think christians need to understand being a christian is being a disciple those are one and the same and and disciples make disciples that's what it means to be a disciple and so you see that lived out in the book of acts that means that immediately you're sharing the gospel and and i i mean you can go out on friday night and share the gospel but i'm saying life on life every day i believe god Constantly gives us what I would call divine opportunities. And through the circumstances of life, and you know that fender bender may not be an accident, may be an opportunity for ministry. That diagnosis is not, God is intentional. I'm going to meet people I wouldn't have otherwise met. Those are all opportunities for ministry. But then beyond that, there are those who come to faith, and then they obey the Lord in in baptism, but then we teach them all that God has commanded. And to me, that's Ephesians 4, equipping the saints for the work of service. And when you see that lived out in the book of Acts, the church grows by thousands. I ask people, did it have leaders? Well, yes, it had leaders. It, it, and, and it had more and more leaders because as the church grew, as they're teaching them all that God commanded, some of them work in service areas. Some of them are trained to be deacons. Some are trained to be elders, uh, some vocational elders. But there's there are leaders that come out. I, I, the term I'm not sure I like it, but organically in the fulfillment of the Great Commission, we are equipping people. But, you know, most churches, most pastors never train a man to be an elder or never train a man to be a pastor, never train a man or woman to be a missionary. It's like those we've passed off. And and to me, when the church lost that... It it lost its vision for what the Great Commission is. Every church ought to be training, and not just training elders to fill the one slot. (laughs) It's to train them beyond for church planting, and where each individual church sees that whole
0: uh, progression of what the church is supposed to be accomplishing. So, practically, what does that look like? How, how can a church be looking into the future and identifying these qualified men and then helping nurture any gifts that they may have? What, what does that practically actually look like, Rocky? Okay. So, it's again a great question to contemplate.
1: So, I often hear uh, church leaders praying that God will raise up elders and, and I'll, Okay, this will sound kind of harsh, okay? And I'll say, stop praying that prayer and start, start praying God will give you wisdom to train men to become elders. Because it doesn't happen mystically, you know? And it, what are we waiting for? Somebody come from another church where they were trained? It's the role of the church to train men. Or I'll have somebody oh, yes. say, well, I don't have any qualified men. And I'll say, well, let me ask you this. Are all of your men disqualified? Well, the answer is typically, well, no. And so the issue is you need to have a process to train men. And it's in the process of training men, you'll begin to recognize those who are gifted who are qualified, who have a heart for ministry, but maybe nobody's ever said, hey, let me teach you how you can participate in shepherding. Let me teach you Bible knowledge. Let me help you learn systematic theology. If the only way they can learn those things is go away to an academic institution, how do we get lay elders in the church? (laughs) Because yeah. they can't do that. And so I, I do think having a process, I would say that church, we know churches that they get elders by a vote, you know, nominate and vote. We see that as bad. But sometimes in the, the strong evangelical church, they still don't have a clear process. So there's kind of no end game. I mean, at what point does a guy become one? So that's why we try to provide resources to help them, not just say you ought to be doing but here's ways you can do that, help identify men. And you might be surprised how many
0: guys really would love to have that kind of discipleship. Yeah, so helpful. So good, Rocky. Rocky, how important is it for a church to have a plurality of elders? Yeah. Again, well, you know,
1: outside of the fact that the scriptures say that we need to have a plurality, but I'll be I mean, how can one man possibly think that they have the wisdom that they need to lead the church? That's terrifying. I mean, that's awful. And and, and so the idea of plurality is in a multitude of counselors, you have much wisdom. Mature men working together to lead the church. There's not one. I I mean, it would be awful to think that the church depended on Rocky's wisdom. (laughs) I, I mean... That, that would just be awful. So, so a man who, who wants their leaders to just be yes men, it's like that, that's just, that's absolute foolishness. It's arrogance beyond imagination because, uh, we need each other and, and we need strong leaders with us to, to share the ministry and, and help us to get it right as we walk down this road.
0: Yeah, so good, Rocky. One situation I can imagine a lot of um, people face when they are a single welder is then looking at their congregation and then compromising because they they effectively need people to come and help them, but there might not be anybody of character or of a skill that that's needed, and they start taking shortcuts. What what would you say about that?
1: Yeah, we, we, there there are a couple of things. I, you know, one. I think it's very, very unfair to put an unqualified man in the office because, you know, Hebrews 13, 17, obey your leaders for they keep watch over your souls as those who will give an account. And so I think it's very unloving for a biblical leader to compromise another person by putting them in a position that they're simply not qualified to perform. I would say additionally, when you do that, the risk it is to the church by not having qualified leadership can be devastating in the life of the church. And and we all know that it, sometimes it's easier to get a man on the elder board than to get him off. And, and so when you start compromising, that's a dangerous thing. But let me just say on the other side of that, I get it. I mean, when you're feeling isolated and you are desperate for help. But I I would say, you know, we have good resources that remind us that we need to have biblical eldership and a plurality, but there's not a lot of resources as far as a way to train a man to get there. And I think that's where churches have struggled for a long time. And I'm not saying they're not out there. I just, I'm not really familiar with too much. I'm Again, I think there's some great books on eldership, but a process to get a guy there. And so... So I think part of it is you have that guy out there and it's like I don't have time to put together some kind of a process that would be helpful in getting there. So I would say that's our vision, not not to uh to beat the guy up over the it's to
0: how can we help you to get where you need to get because it's not an easy thing if you don't have tools. Yeah. And it's another reason why anybody who's listening to this in that situation should start investing in that training and discipleship now because another situation might be it's not that they're not qualified, it's the fact that they need some training. And by putting them in, in that situation without the training, that could then obviously put them in a situation where they're almost set up to fail, right, Rocky? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And
1: we want to help. I mean, honestly, we just want to help. We want to help that guy out there that's struggling yeah. and, and, uh, and be able to encourage them and not just say, well, why don't you? have?" It's, here's a way that
0: can help you. How can we come alongside to, to share the load? Yeah. Yeah. So good. How important is unity within the leadership team of a church? And what are some tips to making sure that it stays that way? Yeah. So I think
1: that there are a couple of things to remember. One, you know, John 17 in the high priestly prayer, our Lord makes it clear that unity is is extraordinarily important in the life of the church. Philippians 2, the same thing. And, and so, so I think, I think as believers, we need to put that very high on our priority. Uh, You know, I would say that in most churches, unity in the church generally is always going to be something you're striving for, because you'll have people coming to the church that think they're in Christ. They're not. Some are in Christ, but they're struggling, and some are not believers. So it's something you're always aiming for. But when you have a lack of unity in your leadership, that's a very, very serious problem. And and I would say that within leadership, I, I think what people need to understand that when God says that there needs to be a plural plurality of leaders, that implies that we're going to have and need to have disagreement. I mean, what's the benefit of plurality if you never disagree, if you don't want disagreement? It's like then... Why have a plurality? And so unity doesn't mean that you don't disagree. It means that you are steadfast on the essentials of the gospel and glorifying God. And you come together with, with uh different backgrounds, different skills, different life experiences. And so when you deal with issues in the church, you disagree. You're not arguing, you're not fighting. You're working through issues biblically for the sake of making sure you make wise decisions. So so some people would use unity as an excuse to get everybody to be yes men. What? That's not yeah, unity. That's, right. yeah. Yeah. that's not yeah. unity. Unity would be godly men serving together, working through issues in, in a God-honoring way for the
0: benefit of the church. Yeah, yeah, so helpful, so good. And what are some common mistakes that you see people make when training up men for ministry, Rocky?
1: Uh, so, so if somebody's going to go, wants to believes that God's calling them to vocational ministry, I think it's a, a mistake to immediately fill out a recommendation and send them away. <laughs> Uh, I I think the church has to take far more responsibility and be patient and teach the man to be patient in that growing process to really determine what his uh, giftedness is and, and where he might serve well in the church. Uh I, I would say even with that in mind, I think it's ironic that oftentimes a, a guy will come up through the church is gifted for ministry. We send him away three years later, four years later, the church is looking to hire somebody, but they already sent their guy away. Now they have to find somebody else that another church sent away. It's like, what do we what do we yeah. do that? And so I I think thinking through better what we're doing, I I think the church needs to think about if they're gonna invest in that man, that he may be one of their missionaries. He may be their next church plant. I mean, there are just a lot of possibilities if the church would invest in them. But generally if a man leaves and goes away for academic education, he doesn't typically come back to the original church. So again, I'm not saying you can't use the academic arena. I'm just saying, you gotta be careful how you do it to benefit both the man and the church. I would also say that that uh, oftentimes when somebody's called to ministry, the church gets excited and just affirms him without testing him, and and you know I most guys never learn to teach in the church where they're actually evaluated in their teaching in the church, mm-hmm. and. I think the church ought to take responsibility for that. And and let's face it, it's a lot easier to just keep affirming somebody and not deal with the the complexity of saying, I'm concerned about you. I don't know if this is a good fit. But when we don't tell them the truth, they're liable to go out, take a church, blow up their own family, their, the church and everything. And it's, it is more loving to be able to work with a guy and speak the truth into his
0: life. Yeah, yeah, so true. So true. The the role of elder can often be uh, one of uh, loneliness, as we've spoken about, Rocky, just how important are solid Christian friends? Ooh.
1: You know, I, I, so I think of a verse in Hebrews three thirteen: encourage one another day after day, as long as it's still called a day, lest any of you be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. And brother, I'll be honest with you. I've always told myself I am one decision away from disaster. One decision. That's all. And and I know I can't stand alone. I, I need godly men in my life. And ironically, some of those guys that I was their youth pastor, they're my peers now. And I trust them. And they can speak into my life. And they know that. And 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 to not have those friends, and as well, I mean, when I was young in ministry, I didn't have anybody to call on and say help. I don't know what to do. This, I, I mean, this is crazy. I didn't expect this. And and when you don't have those relationships, I, that's where disciple in the church. If you disciple a man for ministry, you have relationships, and and to be able to call on guys that you trust, that you know are not just going to pacify you they're going to say no 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 rock you got to think this way you got to think and and for me like i went through a time in my life my first wife passed away and and to have those guys who knew me well to shepherd me through that huh, how do you do that without it and and uh those those are deep waters but we need one another we we desperately need that's a body of christ
0: yeah, yeah so true there can be huge highs and huge lows in pastoral ministry. What advice do you have for dealing with discouragement and also dealing with pride, Rokhi? Yeah, you know, um,
1: I tell young guys or interns, I say, listen, if you're going to go into ministry, you better be willing to get bloody. And if you're not willing to get bloody, get out. I mean, Peter, he didn't, Peter didn't get that when, when our Lord was going to the cross, right? God forbid that this should happen to you, but you read first Peter and he got it by then, you know, beloved, don't be surprised at the fiery ordeal around you. So is though some strange thing were happening to you. And so, I mean, I love first Peter. It just orients us to life. And, you know, we think it's unfair to be treated unjustly. And first Peter two says actually being treated unjustly provides a great, great backdrop for the gospel, <laughs> you know, and, and, uh, I, I, I do think we need to have a right theology about ministry. When when the Apostle Paul talked about savage wolves, well, I mean, savage wolves come in to hurt and destroy. And those who are leading the church are standing between the flock and the enemy. And they'll do whatever it takes to protect that flock. And I think to not think like that is to think foolish, to think the church is just a soft place to go and sing songs and feel good. It's a battleground. And we're there to protect the sheep. For me, in those times that I begin to feel sorry for myself, okay, get down, it's, I go to Hebrews 12.3, for consider him who endured such hostility of sinners against himself, lest you grow weary and lose heart. And I'll be honest, I have to tell myself the truth, Rocky, come on. Look what your Lord did. Look what he did. You know, let's go. You know, stay the course. So, I, I you got to think right. You got to think right because of the way the church is hard. There's difficult things, and and people will hate you, and and do mean things, and want to destroy you, and uh, all of that. But that's nothing, nothing compared to what our Lord endured, and and He did it when we
0: were His enemies. So, so, so it just helps me. to— the other- yeah. Good. What about the other side of it, Rocky? What about, you know, there are seasons where people might say nice things about our ministries and, and that can lead for lead to pride, can't it? How what are some advice for, for, for dealing with pride, Rocky? Yeah, I I think keeping in mind that anything that I have is a gift
1: from God. It is not self-generated. And 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 if I had to depend on my own wisdom, it would be awful and if i even getting ready for this time to talk with you i thank god please god help me to represent you well our goal is not to build a, an organization it's to love the church and care for the church and and it is easy you know i worked under tom pennington and, right and i preach somebody comes up and says wow i really wish you could do that more that was great and it's you know what my, I call it the Absalom Complex, if you're not careful, trying to win the souls of the people. My response to them, I'm grateful for the opportunities they give me, but you have to understand my plate is full. And I'm grateful for everything God gives me to do, okay? Because you never want to sow that sword, so uh, that seed of discord. My word, and and guys who are in in those other positions of ministry have to be so careful. it's, it's so easy to to feed that
0: flesh, and but it's yeah. devastating. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So helpful. Thank you. Over the years, we've sadly seen a number of men prove themselves to be unqualified for ministry through their sinful actions. What can men do to proact- proactively? Safeguard themselves from falling in this way. Yeah.
1: So, I would say, speaking specifically of elders, but could use be used more broadly. Uh, you know, for churches who have perpetual elders, which I, I would prefer, but I know some have rotations where guys go on and off the 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 elder board or the elder team. Uh, I I think it's a a danger that a guy often will. Will uh, consider the qualifications, responsibilities very seriously before he comes on. But once he comes on, uh, oftentimes there's not another intentional time for the guy to reevaluate. This last year, uh, I wrote a booklet. It's it's uh, a, a, an elder self evaluation, and and the reason I did is is you know if if a if a pastor writes. An evaluation form from for his elders. It's easy for somebody to think they're being targeted, and so, so I, I wrote a self evaluation that goes through qualifications, responsibilities, uh, dangers, accountabilities. Uh, you know, thing to help a person reflect that that we made possible, so churches can get those. Hand them out to their elders once a year or every other year and say, guys, let's all take these home yeah. and just reevaluate and then come back and just share. You're doing okay. How can we pray for each other to keep short accounts? Because I do think there's a danger when we, a guy just serves, 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 and there's never that time to reevaluate and recognize, you know, there's some things that are, that are just dangerous. I need to deal with them, keep short accounts. And so we wrote yeah. that for that purpose, not that it solves everything, but I do think having more of a frequent uh, personal self-evaluation is helpful for all of us. And I know some folks do it, but a lot of churches, they don't. They don't have a process for that. Yeah. Where can people get that? Rocky's on the website as well. It's on the website. They can download it in a soft copy or they can order them.
0: Yeah. Yeah. so Thank you. You mentioned earlier that you've worked alongside Tom Pennington for 18 years at Countryside, I believe it was. I see Tom from a distance from over here in the UK as one of the most gifted, expository preachers of our generation. What can men going into ministry learn from him? Yeah, I would like to expand that view of Tom Pennington. Okay.
1: Because I agree with you. I think he is one of the most gifted expositors of our generation. He's a, he's a diligent student, faithful man, but also think it's important for people to understand that, you know, I think there's a pendulum that you can get in trouble. A guy can then spend all his time at his desk and never get out with the people. A guy can spend all the time with people and personality and have a hard time getting his rear in the chair to study, right? Right. Right. Tom Pennington demonstrates what I would say is a remarkable balance. He loves God, loves the Word, passionate about teaching, diligent student, loves people is engaged in their lives. I remember when he first came, because I'd been in the church quite a while, and he was just meeting, getting to know people, and, and I'd call him, say, I'm on the way to the hospital, I got a call from so-and-so, and and uh, just wanted you to know, because I knew that you'd, you you want to be aware, but I got it covered, I'll be there. And I wouldn't be there but a few minutes, and here comes Tom walking in to the hospital, and I told him, I, I really am okay to do this, I don't mind. He said, this is where I want to be. And... That's the reflection of his heart for people. But I would also say when it comes to eldership and elder training, much of what we have written and developed, we saw. Because when Tom came to Countryside, Countryside had gone through a hard time. And that's when we begin to see elders functioning as godly, mature men. Tom Pennington didn't come in wanting everybody to agree with him. In fact, he would hate that. In fact, there are times when their issue is so serious, he says, we're not going to vote. I want every man to talk. I want to hear where you're at. I want to understand where you're at. (laughs) And and even as a staff person, I told him, you know, Tom, truly, every time I ever disagreed with a pastor, even in private, it was only a matter of time till I was gone. He's like, you're kidding me. I said, no, I'm not. And he said, that's shameful. He he said, we have you as an elder because we value what you bring to the table. And he was clear. I I wouldn't want you to come to an elder meeting, just back door and shock me, whatever. But we talk about these things. I know where you're at. And I value that. That's a unique man. I mean, that's truly a unique man. So so I want people to understand that when you talk about Tom Penny, you see his exposition of scriptures, which is profound. But I'm telling you, as a guy walks side by side in the trenches with him, he's much more than that. He he, he is the genuine man who loves the Lord and loves people, serves
0: well. Yeah, yeah amazing. What are some of the most important books that you would recommend for people either considering or just starting out in ministry?
1: Yeah, you know, I, I tried to just think of a couple that I thought are useful. I think Alexander Strach's Biblical Eldership. I have great respect for Alexander. It's It's a great book and very helpful for guys to begin to get a grasp of what it means. Now, Jerry Rag has written a book, Exemplary Spiritual Leadership, that really gets down to some of the nitty gritty of what we need to understand about biblical leadership, especially versus, you know, what some of the traditional leadership of our day is. I think those are our two very, very good books. And then I would just tag on that. I think being in a church where they're going to teach you how to be a biblical leader is going to be very important as well. Seeing
0: it lived out. Yeah, and of course, Jerry worked alongside Tom, didn't he, under John MacArthur for for many years. Yeah, they're good friends. Thank you for that, Rocky. Thank you. Rocky, we're about to take a very quick break, and then we're going to come back and ask you the free signature bar questions. I hope you're ready. So Rocky, as you know, every single guest that comes onto the bar gets asked these three very important questions. Are you ready? I am ready. Yeah. Okay. Question one. What kind of music do you listen to? <laughs> That's a great question. So people who know me know that
1: my strength is not in music, but I do enjoy music. Uh, I would say that uh you know, as it relates to Christian music, which is primarily what I would listen to, I, I love the old hymns, sound hymns, and then I love a lot of the contemporary hymns, and 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 I enjoy even the the praise and worship music that is that. It has substance to it. Seth Bigelow is the music worship leader at, at Countryside. He's so gifted in being able to pull all of those different kinds of music together that are theologically sound. And so I would I I, I would just enjoy a variety in, in that respect. But I'm not the guy that has a radio on or anything all the time. Yeah. I, that's not my that's my
0: not my thing. Yeah, yeah. Next signature bar question. Uh, what book or books are you currently reading? Mm-hmm. So the the book that I'm
1: uh, I'm working my way through right now is actually John Flavel on the Mystery of Providence, okay, well, and yeah. and I'll be honest, it you know as, as I read through some of the things and I'm still in process of it to just contemplate God's uh, providential work in the in my own life, you know, the good and the bad. I think it's easy to talk about sovereignty and relationship, to the good things of life, but, but God's providence working out, even in the, the hard and with, with sinful people and wicked people that that God still accomplish in his perfect will is I, you know, I think I have a glimpse of about that much and I'll be frank when I get to heaven, I think I'm going to be just totally shocked to, yeah, to yeah. just begin to see and understand the gravity of,
0: of, our great God and savior. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Last signature bar question. What podcasts or sermons do you listen to?
1: So uh, that's another one of those things that I don't spend a lot of time listening to things, but if I'm going to go in and listen to somebody, especially if I'm trying to understand a passage better, I'm going to go to the wordunleashed.org, which is the teaching ministry of Tom Bennington. Uh, I, I just have, I have such confidence in his leadership. I have, his, I have confidence in his integrity in the word that he is, he, he is so committed to, to carefully giving the truth. And so
0: that's, yeah. that
1: would be where I'd go.
0: Yeah, fantastic. Well, this has just been a really helpful 45 minutes speaking to you, Rocky. I'm so thankful for your time and for your ministry as well. Just, just so, so helpful. Before we let you go, please take a moment to let us know your closing thoughts and also let people know how they can keep in touch with your work. Right. Thank you. And I appreciate the time with you very much. (laughs) You know, you can you can find
1: us on Instagram. You can find us on Facebook. Probably the the place that you can learn more about us is going to be at our website, XLMinistries.org. And let me just say, on our website, there's a place for contact. So, sometimes when you get our resources, there's so much, and you're trying to figure out, how do I use this? What do I do first? What would be uh, easiest or most beneficial? If There's a contact deal. If you fill that contact out, one of us will get in touch with you. We'll set a phone call or a Zoom call or something, and gladly walk you through things, answer questions. If you think about you might want to try training somebody in an internship, we can help you to understand that better because there's a lot of parts to it, including uh, where we we teach them how to candidate and we they have to go through an ordination exam. So we can explain that all to you. It's hard to do that in a short amount of time, but we do that personally if you reach out to us and love to talk to you.
0: Yeah, brilliant. Well, the the action from this interview is to go and check out the website. It's going to be in the description below. Rocky, thanks again for your time. Really enjoyed it. Thank you, brother. I appreciate it and to the bar listeners thank you again for tuning in and make sure that you hit that subscribe button so that you can get the show every single tuesday and just like today we have some top top guests coming up that you do not want to miss out on and remember to check out the bar podcast website where you can listen to Dwayne's huge archive of interviews which will keep you nice and busy until next time to laugh for now